Uh, help is coming from Mother Nature. I can't believe it. I'm I'm saying that without an extreme cold morning, it does feel a little better this morning. Uh, Kevin and I pulled up at the same time and uh, still plugging in. A little less wind. And today, mine is 20. Even last night uh, in the evening, I was out. I stepped out and it's. I looked. It was minus 29. But there was no wind. And I thought, okay, this feels a little bearable. Uh, the extreme cold. Uh, warnings had lifted. Bizarre that this is the climate we live in. We, we're accustomed to it. I know. it's. It just feels really good after five days of a cold snap. But we're not out of it yet until probably next week. There's really encouraging signs that El Nino is going to be back in play. And considerably warmer temperatures, as high as minus six by Sunday. And certainly everyone's back to school today. I'm not promising it won't be indoor recess, but... Uh, to the discretion of the windshield and teachers, that will go. Uh, Greenall in Balgoni, yeah, the school apparently, as far as we know, was uh, to open again today as well. And yesterday, with minus 40 windshield, the teachers uh, took over both sides of the Albert Street Bridge, and they were they were walking along with honking support. <laughs> And uh, I know that they uh, walked into the ledge as well uh, to hand them, uh, I believe, over 3,000 letters of support. But uh, today it's back to work for everyone. The Education Minister, Jeremy Cockrell, he was on the Evan Bray Show yesterday. And really some of the major takeaways as the teachers were picketing and on strike, he, of course, did not think a strike is going to help at all. He thinks there's... Still, two demands they're not prepared to explore. The union's asking to basically take on the role of locally elected school boards. And we're not prepared to give that up because we believe that local voice in education is important because we know that Regina isn't Creighton, it isn't North Battleford. We have such diverse communities around the province. And the second demand is the 23.5% salary increase over four years. Our teachers in Saskatchewan do fantastic work every day. We all have teachers who are friends and family, and and we want them to be well compensated. And compared to Western Canadian peers, they are uh, well compensated. And we have a a salary increase on the table. But the 23.5% increase over four years is is just not a reasonable ask. And, of course, Evan asked whether or not the uh, strike was effective at uh, pushing him back to the table. In his mind, no. That's not something I'm considering. I want to get a deal done at the table. That's where the best deals are done. Pardon me, that was uh, over binding arbitration uh, that he didn't want to get to that. But in regards to the strike, he said... You know, we, we're looking at other parts of, of our mandate, uh, our bargaining mandate with, with our bargaining team to see where where we can continue to try and find common ground. But again, it's difficult to find common ground when you're the only party at the table. And so going back to the conciliators report, I, uh, you know, really what my takeaway from that is that both sides need to continue talking. And for us to do that, I mean, it's nice to come on the radio here and talk to you and your listeners but it's better if we can do that at the bargaining table. And so certainly I hope that the teachers union can come back to the table and we can keep talking about some of the big issues and, and some of the, you know, the variety of issues that the teachers have brought forward. Education Minister Jeremy Cockrell, again, uh, regarding binding arbitration, both sides have to agree on that. And he said he would not. He wants to cut a deal uh, without that. So again, the takeaways, at least from the province, number one, the strike. Uh, not likely to drive him back to the table. A prolonged one, though. I wonder if that might put pressure Largely on the parents and heat it all up. They're not interested in arbitration at all, as you heard there, and uh, open to discussing what works before investing in it. That was the message as I listened yesterday to the uh, education minister in regards to class 
complexity. For example, they need to figure out what works, he said, before ramping it up. He gave the pilot project, recently recently launched as an example, and build off of that. But uh, this does not sound like it's coming to an immediate end. So what's the next move from the teachers? I'll find out from Samantha Peacott, uh, the president of the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation after seven. And it seems such a waste of time If that's what it's all about Mama, if that's moving up, then I It's moving up for the day. The extreme cold warning has lifted. And I got to add it to David Phillips from Environment Canada. Last week, he said this to me about it changing. You're facing this bout of cold weather, but you've already got to the halfway point. And we don't think El Nino is dead in the water. I mean, yes, it's polar vortex that's dominating the situation right now. But El Nino blows very strongly, and then all of a sudden it relaxes. The winds don't blow, and then the polar vortex rushes down and freezes you, and then the the El Nino comes back, and it pushes that cold air back up to the north. So my sense is I see temperatures, you know, instead of the the highs, what you're seeing right now of minus 20, highs of minus 9. Not melting, but certainly more what we'd say seasonable or even a little above. He's right. By the weekend, it is going to be between minus 12 and minus 6 for daytime highs, and I also noticed a lot of the uh, weather experts bring in Kevin Martell here. Good morning, morning, Kevin. I notice a lot of the weather experts right now are showing signs that El Nino is rebounding starting next week, and we're going to be uh, warmer than normal even in early February. So, yes, minus six. We're over the hump. Yeah, minus six right now in the long term. I, it, I can understand people who really like snow. Right, lots of snow. There's lots to do in snow, snowmobiling, skiing, snow away, things like yeah. that. But I don't know a single person who likes extreme cold. I'm not talking cool. Yeah. I'm talking extreme cold because I like cool temps in the fall. But I don't like extreme cold. A lot of people, I think, don't like extreme cold. You don't hear of anybody going to uh, the Arctic or Antarctica for a nice holiday. You hear them going skiing in B.C. or Colorado or even right here in Saskatchewan yeah. on our hills. But well, uh, nobody likes the extreme cold no, that I know You're of. right. And uh, speaking of skiing, Mission Ridge, they, they depending on the windshield, they do close. But, hey, they're happy with the snow we got, and they'll be back up and running, I'm sure, by the weekend here too, if uh, not already today. Now, look, uh, besides the cold and the easing, uh, it's uh, a big story. The uh, They officially let Tim Reed go, yeah. the CEO of the Real District. And uh, what's the very latest on this one? Yeah, so this almost came as a little bit of a surprise for a lot of people, maybe not necessarily a shock. But um, yeah, the uh, the new board chair, Nikki Anderson, who also doubles, of course, as the city manager, announced yesterday uh, we got uh, the release from Real. And they said, yeah, he's, he's, he's now gone. And when you think about what happened over the last year, a lot of the financial difficulties at Real, of course, experience Regina, what happened with that rollout, and then them rescinding it pretty quickly thereafter, I don't think this is going to be a huge shock for a lot of people. Incidentally, Roberta Engel is going to temporarily take over the role, and uh, they will look for a permanent president, CEO, eventually here too. But, uh, you know, they uh, I don't know what everyone expects to happen out of this now because clearly there's a lot of debt from all those aging infrastructure and buildings that are leaking that people want fixed. Cooperator Center being one of them where so many hang out, but they also need entertainment. Yeah, they do. And, and that's that, that's their core business, yeah, right? You it, need a whole bunch of events and, and some big events for sure to help their bottom line if you don't get that. 
the financial struggles will only continue there. And Anderson actually alluded to, you know, the fact that not all planned events run well and make money, but they're bound and determined to make Frost, which is coming back next weekend, uh, to be a, a big event. But you look at the events calendar right now, other than Frost, the Pats games, uh, the Saturday morning farmers market, a monster sports show. That's it. There's not much happening in the coming months. Yeah, and Anderson and says... And they still need to turn that around. And Anderson says because of, you know, the change that they've seen in the board recently, she felt it was kind of the right time to change the leadership in the CEO and president position. Okay. Uh, really quick, let's go to Melford, where senior reporter Lisa Schick is, uh, bringing us details about... Uh, the coroner's inquest. What's uh, what's to discover there this morning? Yeah, and we're hearing testimony, um, you know, from RCMP. We're hearing some nine one one calls. We're hearing kind of almost the the timeline of Miles Sanderson. What happened? And when you read some of the details, looking at over a number of uh, posts from Lisa Schick on X, formerly Twitter, uh, just some of the details of what happened. And this was it's it's incredible and shocking at the same time to read Miles Sanderson going from house to house to house, breaking in, kicking in front doors, kicking in back doors, going through a basement window, using knives, using scissors, all of this to attack, kill, hurt people. It's it's hard to read and to listen to as somebody who wasn't, you know, that really didn't have any kind of uh, association with it. Imagine if you were one of the family members, if you were one of the friends, if you lived on James Smith Creation or Weldon to take all this in. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. And this is only, we're into day three now. Okay. Well, there is plenty more of Lisa's coverage at cjammy.com. And, and of course, we hear throughout the day from Lisa and in the coming days too, as she will remain there in Melford. Yeah, it's back to school, and you're still going to have to bundle up the little ones. And, uh, yeah, there's pretty thick cold exhaust from the vehicle in front of you as you drive to work and uh, drop the kids off in the school zones. However, uh, I should note, too, that as far as we are uh, to believe, yes, Greenall School is back open in Balgoni. They had that fire on the weekend, too. But uh, one-day teacher strike, it's... Only a day. What's the next move? We're hoping to, to hear soon from the Teachers Federation, Samantha Peacock. We were scheduled to have her on uh, right about now, but I'll see if I can get her on a bit later on. Uh, yes, it's still kind of parka and plug-in weather, but the extreme cold morning has lifted here this morning. And uh, it it's kind of weird. Last night there was hardly any wind when I was stepping out about 7.30, 8 o'clock there. I thought, this doesn't feel so bad anymore. The uh, cold weather had lifted at least the warning, and uh, it's it's just how we live <laughs> in Saskatchewan when minus 29 without the wind actually felt better, what we went through for those four or five days there. And at the Regina Airport this morning, flight cancellations are a lot less. Last I checked, only a couple canceled, one delay. Uh, there was a lot of green glowing, which said on time, which is really, really nice to see. WestJet catching up. They canceled over... 460 flights during a four-day stretch. They blamed, obviously, the cold in Alberta, where their hub is, here in Saskatchewan. They said even their de-icing fluid was rendered ineffective in 11 cities through the cold snap, including Regina. That was one of them. 
And this happened last year, too, if you recall. Over 460 flights were canceled over that three-day period. And uh, the weather was bad. Sunwing was bad. It was just a nightmare. But this surprised me. WestJet said this week that minus 25 seems to be the tipping point where things get squirrely, which to me doesn't seem that cold in a Canadian winter. You would think minus 30, minus 35, then it's a little squirrelier. But I guess not. So when you see temperatures of minus 25, that's when it gets a little dicey uh, for uh, changes and cancellations and and delays. But uh, they seem to be getting better. It used to be you'd pray for it to be miserably cold so you could rub it into all your relatives when you left for a hot vacation. <laughs> now you almost don't even want to see it get miserably cold because it could delay your flights going or returning. Uh, some big changes at uh, the real district, as uh, we told you with Kevin there. The interim board has removed Tim Reed as president and CEO. And Roberta Engel, where he's uh, current vice president of corporate services, has been appointed uh, to take over for now. A new president will come, CEO, later. And uh, they've cleaned house. And uh, now what? They don't expect to... Uh, Mess with Frost, even though it was a bit of a money loss last year. They're they're doing it again this year. But they got to find events to roll in there. They're going to make money. And some of you have questioned me on text one eight seven seven three hundred seven two seven five about can they really keep blaming the pandemic? Um, to a degree, you know what? Obviously, the pandemic affected a lot of other businesses, and some got through it, some did not. Uh, when it comes to concerts and events, though. Uh, the pandemic really messed with that and changed the whole idea of how artists return to Canada. And it costs a lot more now, and that's why they skip our venue off an artist now, because it's smaller. Like, what, 7,000 if we can pack it in, whereas Saskatoon gets 17,000 or so. It is a lot harder to grab concerts that'll attract people now uh, in our smaller venue and uh, I only see a monster sports show, no concerts. Future calendar over there, the real district has to be filled in with something to make a little more income. And, of course, all that aging infrastructure, which is already part of the debt load, uh, continues to get worse. It's a mess. It'll be interesting to see uh, what the moves are to to turn things around. And uh, I think right now, putting all this in place. They got a lot of great people. I just want to give a shout out to all the staff, the parking lot attendants, the people that work in uh, around the scenes of the real district. They've gone through a lot too and wonder with all the uncertainty up top what's going on. So uh, shout out to all the real district personnel that are hanging in there and uh, ensuring that whatever events are on uh, run as smoothly as they possibly can make them run. All right, let's bring him in. The big boy's here, Evan Bray. Star of the Evan Bray Show. Hello, big boy. I'm getting a complex with this big boy stuff. Well, I've always looked up to you. You're taller than I am. But how about the playoff atmosphere last night in Edmonton as the Leafs were in town? We've seen this every year. There are Leaf fans everywhere. Listen to these chants. Let's go Oilers. And then the Leaf fans pipe in. Bouchard, a great play. McDavid drop pass. Hyman a 
spin move, and it's wrestled free by Nas, who gave it right Let's back. go, Oilers. Go, Leafs, go. I want to see these two meet in the playoffs after a game like this. I'm just actually sitting here looking at you, envious of your enthusiasm about the NHL, because my Islanders are not doing as well. They started so good, out okay. Today. Good on yeah. you. Good it's on the bad. Oilers. It's really too bad. Uh, it is Leafs exciting. have lost four in a row now, and uh, Oilers... What's that, 11 wins in a row now? Yeah, I, I told you, I think I told you we were going to a game. Uh, my son and I heading up to Edmonton for a game uh, March 3rd against the Penguins. So I'm getting excited for yeah. that. Yeah, as one of your best friends, let's not talk about that. I'm a little annoyed that I oh, wasn't you want to come? Well, <laughs> you oh, now jump? you ask. You, yeah, you bought the, the tickets and everything. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Well, okay, so really quick on the teachers. Education Minister Jeremy Cockrell was on your show. Didn't think that one-day strike is going to do anything in his mind. Or it wasn't uh, advantageous at all. Uh, they had a good turnout, good well, support, though. Yeah, that's the thing, Greg. Is they had a, a a ton of parents, a ton of students out there showing their support for teachers. You have to think that the province sees that, knowing it's an election year, and thinks, okay, how are we going to find our way through this? I think, and I don't know what the answer is. And I'd love to know the teacher's next move on that after, you know, hearing Cockrell say that on your show. Uh, how quickly do they, you know, start to affect extracurricular activities? How quickly do they, do they go out again? And unless they go out for like a solid week or something, I don't know that one or two days is going to be that effective. But a week would make a lot of parents it would. unhappy and put more pressure. But don't forget, the province saves $6 million a day. Yeah, I when know. The teachers They're strike. loving the opportunity. I'm so, sure they are. And, you know, six million bucks is about a 1% pay raise. So at some point, the teachers are striking and paying for their own pay increase. Yes, but it is an election year. Yep. So if, uh, you know, they go long term on a strike, uh, you have to outweigh, okay, we're annoying our, our base here. Uh, well, it's, it I think that that's too. that's what they have to decide, and and there may be a bit of a divide between rural and urban Sask too on sometimes on some of these issues. Okay, so you've lawyered up for your show today. Why? Well, there's a lawyer in Miami that is doing law classes on intellectual property, so copyright those types of things. His whole law class is based on Taylor Swift's professional career. He basically is going through some of the the challenges that she's had with everything from theme parks to Spotify, you name it, and he's using that as examples, as case studies for his class. Well, didn't uh, USA Today, the big uh, newspaper stateside, they even went out uh, last year and they they were looking for someone specifically to be a full time reporter about Taylor Swift, yeah, because <laughs> the what she does economically. Is extraordinary. Look what's yeah. happening in the NFL. Everyone says, I'm sick of Taylor Swift. It's the NFL's fault. They yeah. know what that means for ratings for them. Taylor Swift is just $200 million away from becoming the highest grossing tour artist in music history. The Rolling Stones lead with $2.16 billion. She's at $1.96 billion in her world tour uh, isn't done yet here. I'm in not even really the biggest fan. I mean, I, I I like some of her songs and whatever, but you can't ignore the fact that she is a force in entertainment. She could save our economy if she came to Regina. <laughs> she could literally, you know, like if she comes, education to problems gone. Thank yes, you, Taylor. <laughs> yes, maybe that's what the teachers have to do: encourage a Taylor Swift concert. Okay, Evan, we'll see you back here at eight thirty. Thank you so much for popping by. Seven twenty-seven now.